0: Make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on iTunes and share us with a friend. For extra tips on raising smart kids, head on over to artsmartparenting.com and click on the live tab. Welcome back to the Raising Smart Kids 2.0 podcast. I'm your host, Yang Pratt, and your partner in this parenting adventure through the arts. Today, our guest is Mercedes Samudio. She is a licensed clinical social worker and is a parent coach, speaker, and best-selling author who helps parents and children communicate with each other, manage emotional trauma, navigate social media and technology together, and develop healthy parent-child relationships. All good things, especially at the beginning of a new school year. Mercedes started the End Parenting Shame movement, as well as coined the term shame-proof parenting, using both to bring awareness to ending parenting shame. Welcome to the show, Mercedes. Thank you so much for having me. Hi. (laughs) I am so excited you're here, and I love this notion of shame-proof parenting, and we've all been there. We have all felt that. So I want to go back to before you started this movement, and tell me how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, uh, so I started out working with, interestingly enough, Pregnant and parenting teenagers. That was like my first job Mm. out of undergrad. And watching kind of generationally how parenting is kind of given, right? So the grandmothers now have their teen daughter who now is a mother, you You know, know. and how that looks in the household. It really started me to understand family systems a lot more and how we help prepare people to become parents. And so throughout graduate school and then throughout my licensure, I really focused on families and really focused on children and, and that whole topic, I realized that the one thing that was happening with all of my parents and all of my families was this weight of shame Mm -hmm. of how, if the parent doesn't do right, the schools, the community, other parents, other family members began to point at the parent, like, what did you do wrong? You're not doing right. And interestingly enough, they get praised when the kid is being quote unquote perfect. So if your kid's making straight Mm -hmm. A's, you're the best parent ever, you know, and so that type of pressure of Trying to keep up with the Joneses and the Joneses being yeah. society was something that I was realizing my parents were really falling under the weight of. And I saw it even more so in my private practice when I was just doing therapy that week after week after week, my parents weren't really struggling with understanding what their role was. They weren't even really struggling with parenting strategies. Every week they would come in and say, You know, well, my mom's coming over next week, so what do I do? You know, oh, we're going to a kid's no. birthday party next week. Oh my God, how are we going to get through it? None Mm. of those complaints were ever about them and their family. It was always about how they're going to be interacting with the rest of the world. And I started to realize that out of all the parenting classes, parenting books, no one was talking about that, that parents can read parenting books and get all the strategies, but nothing compares to how bad you feel when the school calls you and you have to sit in a group of Mm. therapists and case managers and teachers tell you how horrible your kid is and how you need to be doing X, Y, and Z at home you know, it's, it's, it's so daunting and so so hard. So I came up with the idea of really focusing on the shame that parents feel, whether it's internally that they do to themselves or externally that society and other parents and other family members uh, sometimes throw on them and how you can learn to recognize it and not allow it to infiltrate your family and your parenting so much.
0: Yeah, and I imagine in today's society, because we're so socially media-driven, that this notion of shame, too, becomes a bit compounded because we're seeing how well other people seem to be doing. And really, it is just they're putting on that false front, too, and they're not showing us what's really happening. And it's easy to get stuck in that trap. So I love that. So if there are parents out there at the beginning of this new school year and they're feeling some pressure, what are some ways that they can help themselves get past that so they can become more present and really do things for the sake and benefit of their kids rather than what other people
1: perceive? Yeah, I think that's a really complex question because you definitely want to make sure that you are adhering to what the school wants and what your kid has to be doing. But I always teach my parents that at the beginning of the school year and as you go through it, it's really good to check in with your own expectations and Mm -hmm. why you have them. Why do you want your kid to have so many extracurriculars? Why do you want your kid to have some have good grades? Why is a C that in a in a subject that you know your kid is struggling with not good enough? Mm-hmm. Answer these questions non-judgmentally of yourself first, and really get to the root of okay, I want my kid at extracurriculars because then I have at least an hour after school not to see them. That's honest. Be honest <laughs> with yourself, you know. Yeah. Um, I want my kid to have, you know, a seat. I mean, I want them to do better because I know that they're better and I know that they can do good. You know, like be honest with yourself, start there. After you've figured out your own expectations, I would sit down and ask your kids about their own expectations. What do you want to see for yourself? Especially as our kids get into higher grades where their grades start to matter a lot towards their career and their college. It's really important to check in with what your kid wants for themselves. Do they want to do better this year? Do they want a math tutor this year? What do they need? And to, I know that sometimes kids won't tell us the truth if they think they're gonna get in trouble. I would say this, the best way to set up that conversation is to say, if you tell me how you feel, there's no punishment. So if you start cursing because you're upset, if you start saying maybe the wrong thing because you're just frustrated with this school year, I'd rather you give that to me first and we can figure out how to say it better when we go to the school or when we go to the teacher. But please tell me, what do you expect out of yourself? what do you want out of yourself? And how can I help you? And if it's not me, how can we find the help for you? And to really let that be a really vibrant, live, kind of walking discussion, if you will. And what I mean by that is don't let, if your kid says, I want to make straight A's, everyone wants to make straight A's Mm -hmm. first day of school. But as the school (laughs) year goes on, you know, don't hold your kid to that. Don't say, well, you said you wanted to make straight A's, and now you're getting B's. So what kind of kid are you? You know, really give them that space to say, okay, so at the beginning of the school year, you said straight A's. Now we're at the, you know, the first kind of quarter of grades and you're not doing that. What happened? You know, can I help? What can we do? You know, is it the teacher? Do we need to have a discussion with the teacher? Is it the amount of assignments? Is it that you have too many extracurriculars so you don't have enough time, you know, to do your work? And, and I also say this, look at your kid's whole picture and look at your own whole picture because honestly, no one is just a parent and your kid is not just a student. Yes. Yeah, so it, just like everything else affects you and your life traffic and work deadlines and all your other identities, mm-hmm. those things affect your student to your kid, too. So, yes, they're at school eight hours a day and you feel like that's the main thing they're focusing on. They have peers. They have different societal norms they're trying to adhere to and figure out. And all of those things also affect how present they are in their classes, how present they are with homework. You know, mm-hmm. we want to blame social media and all that stuff and devices, but at the same time, we live in a world where everybody has a device. Yeah. So not to be mad at your kid if that distracts them, but to work on, <laughs> yeah. okay, how are we going to look at screen time in our whole family? Does I know for a fact it distracts me when I'm trying to get work done. If I get bored, I will pick up my phone so quick. And zone out on that and forget, and you know, an hour later realize I haven't written the email I needed to write or finished the thing I needed to finish. So, you know, you have to kind of, I would say, to reduce shame. As I said, all these things, the overarching concept is you really want to check in with yourself and with your kids periodically and make sure that even though you might have set wonderful standards for yourself at the beginning of the year, life does happen, things do get in the way. And so you don't want to beat yourself up if you didn't do things the way you wanted to this school year. And you don't want to do that to your kid either. You just want to keep talking to each other, keep figuring out where we are, how we're doing and how we can help each other. Absolutely. And there's so many good nuggets in what you, sorry, I said a lot of stuff. I know (laughs) I
0: just want to touch on a couple of those. And one of them is expectations because I find that expectation, if we don't address it, the expectations seem to be so insurmountable that it always feels like we're failing. Mm-hmm. You know, if we don't address, you know, what we expect of our kids, you know, in their academic performance, what we expect of them to be socially conscious, what we expect of them, you know, amongst their peers, yeah, it's easy to not discuss those things and not set the expectation, and then just feel like where do you start like it's a mm-hmm. just a big task yeah. Such a crazy insurmountable thing um the other thing i, I went i wanted to talk about too was the fact that you said you know if you go into the school year and everyone wants to get a's and you're getting b's yeah to take a step back and say is that okay yeah you know because years ago um when I was doing research for my book and going through graduate school, taking a bunch of classes on learning and theory, and yeah. I was just overwhelmed with all this knowledge, and I kept observing my own kids to sort of see what was, you know, what, how things played out. And one of the things I really learned about was this notion that we all learn differently. You know, if we talk mm-hmm. about Howard Gardner and the theory of multiple intelligences, and there are eight ways for us to be smart. But schools really only focus on two of them. Yep. And if you're, so most kids, the majority of kids then are falling outside that norm. So what does that mean really when we're looking at these test scores versus their grades? And what does that mean to them psychologically? I mean, there's so many facets to to the expectation and really just understanding that it's okay. Mm. If your kid starts getting Bs, but they seem happy about it and you have a discussion, maybe that's okay. Yeah. But, you know, maybe, maybe they're really, really great uh, at sports or yeah. dance or something like that, but they're not so great in the classroom because in the classroom, yeah. they don't get to move their bodies yeah. and make the connection. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. all about observation, um, expressing our concern, expressing our pride, and celebrating yeah. our kids where they are rather than trying to always say well you know so and so got you know an A on this exam or they got into this honors class and you're yeah. not there yet like how you know yeah. how can I help you get there? Yeah. But what I realize with a now high schooler and middle schooler yeah. is that if we have that discussion things quickly derail because Mm -hmm. then there's that feeling of the shame that the kids feel like they're not living up to our expectations. So I think this notion of expectations is so, so, so critical because when we become parents, we don't get this handbook about here's what you do. So we have to figure out on our own and with our own family values, what we expect of ourselves and our kids. So yeah, such good stuff. We could probably talk about this topic, yes. expectations for hours, because there's so much to discuss there. But I want to hit on something also that you said that parents need to be honest with themselves. Mm-hmm. And you said that sometimes you're being honest. If you say, I just need an hour after school, especially if they're working full time outside mm-hmm. the home, I just need an hour where the kids go somewhere else. So I have time for myself. Yeah. And I find that this is a great discussion to really bring us into the idea of why the arts can be such a great addition to a very busy family life. So what are your thoughts about incorporating the arts?
1: I actually am so heartbroken that that's not in school anymore. I remember being in junior high and having music, you know, and actually having art as an elective in high school. And I know that that's not something that's as present in in traditional school settings anymore. And I think also, you know, when I go back to this idea of middle school and and high school where extracurricular, extracurricular activities are sometimes done just so they can look good on an application, not because the kid is really passionate about it. And I think it's so important that we allow our kids to explore their passions while also helping them to understand what the real world looks like. Um, So an example of that is one of my kids that I worked with years ago, he was so, so, so into volleyball. And he wanted to play volleyball professionally. And the parents were like, well, you got to go to college, you got to do this, you got to do this. And he was like, well, I don't really have to. Like, I could just get yeah. right into it. You know, <laughs> I don't really have to. And the parents, because they were having a hard time with him in school, they began to use volleyball as the punishment. Mm. We well, can't do volleyball anymore. Well, we'll let your teacher know. And, you know, if you don't do this assignment or these chores, volleyball will take it away from you. And over the course of our work together, I did something that I think all of us can really look at and see how can we help our kids really understand motivation and really understand why their passions have to be a part of Mm -hmm. their academic career as well. And so I said to my, my kid who was I think 16 or 17, so he was older, I said, if you want to play volleyball, tell me how you would get there. What do you need to do to get drafted into a professional team? What do you need to do to, you know, kind of have agency you, you do that research. Right. You go and do that. Mom and dad, whatever profession you want him to do, whatever you guys wanted him to go to college for, do that research. What does he need to be doing now? Where does he need to be now? What what can he be doing now to help him get insight into that that career that maybe he might be into it? And so after a couple of weeks, they brought back all their research. And there wasn't a single thing that either of them said where volleyball couldn't be used to help him mm. really understand, you know, the work. They wanted him to be a lawyer. And I said, I think being a volleyball player and a team player helps so much in terms I'm of negotiating so and speaking up. You know, and then it was like all these questions that they were always like, they had for each other, but they were like, well, he wants to play volleyball, so he obviously doesn't know anything. And he, they he was like, well, they want me to be a lawyer, so they obviously don't know anything. And they realized that they could really infuse the skills he would need to sustain in college and become a lawyer with what he was doing in volleyball. Yeah. Like the team playing that he was doing with having to deal with the coach who maybe was too hard sometimes and having to deal with team members who sometimes didn't always pick up the slack for the team. And he was the leader, like. How can all of those skills be translated to going to college and becoming a lawyer? And I say that because I think sometimes even parents nowadays will say arts is not important or sports are not as important, but you have to be able to see, okay, my kid has this passion. How can they do this passion and learn skills that will help them? later on that will help them get a better job or get to college or even get through college, mm-hmm. which I think we, we forget. We get our kids to college, <laughs> but they don't always know how to get through it. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Um, you know, and so I think it's something to be said when you think about the arts and culture and giving our kids space to pursue their passions while also helping them to understand that the skills they're mm-hmm. learning in art class, in sports classes can also be applied to real life, to their job one day, to their career one day.
0: Absolutely, and so that's such a good thing to bring up that what they're learning in these activities in their passions, if they have the right person mentoring them, they're learning more than just that skill. Mm -hmm. You know, we as a performing arts school belong to a group called More Than Just Great Dancing, Mm -hmm. and it really is about the notion that the lessons that they're learning in our classrooms are not skills. Mm-hmm. We're teaching them those life skills they need to be able to go to college. Yeah. The skills they need to go have a job and a career and and follow their passions like confidence and leadership and you know having a heart for serving the community and, and really being uh, making a bigger impact in the world. And it all stems from letting our kids find this passion and following that passion and staying involved long enough Because that's the other thing now, too, because there's all these like six week things popping up. And I love the idea that you can expose your kids to lots of things. But at some point, they just need to be able to make a choice and follow this course of action until they reach the success they want to get.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I read a study and I forget what the study was called, but it talked about. Uh, it was this longitudinal study where they followed class valedictorians mm-hmm. and um, college dropouts over time. And so what they saw is that class valedictorians over time always reached the pinnacle of their career. They did good, they, they had jobs, they were fine. Mm-hmm. It was the kids who didn't do so great or maybe dropped out that were the innovators of that next era. They were the ones who were creating the new technology, who were bringing forth the new products and the new yes. ideas, right? So you have the valedictorians who can follow instruction, and follow out all of these new ideas. And you have the kids who maybe didn't do so great or maybe dropped out who are innovative, right? They couldn't, they don't think inside of a box. They come up with the iPhone, right? They come up with the next, you know, uh, type of technology. And I think that there's something to be said about both types of people. We need people who will do what they're supposed to do, who will follow instructions and follow the rule book and do it right. I was that kid, I went to college, I did it all ABCD, right? You know, and then you have the kids who literally don't fit in that box. Yes, Their brains, like you said earlier about the multiple intelligences, that doesn't mean that they don't have an aptitude for so many other things that yeah. can really move us forward as a culture and as a race of people, right? We need both. Yeah,
0: I agree. And, that, and that's really an interesting topic, too, because now that my daughter, my oldest, is in high school, I know she's starting to feel the pressure of grades and all those things a little more than she used to. I've never had to worry about them doing their work because through their dance classes and, and the lessons they're learning there, they're understanding they have to be at some level motivated to do things intrinsically, to do it themselves, versus having this dangling carrot all always in front of them and saying, okay, if you do X, you're going to get Y. Yeah. Well, at some level, when they're not a kid anymore, who's going to hang that carrot in front of them? So... It is fascinating, though, that the valedictorians, you know, are the, are the box, you know, they yeah. stay in that box. You yeah. know, when I was that kid, too, I always wanted to do well and go to college and have that path. As a parent, though, it's interesting because I don't want my kids to have that path. <laughs> you know, I want them, especially because I'm a lover of technology and yeah. the benefits that technology has for us as a family and as a society, I want them to learn the skills of being, you know, the black sheep. Mm -hmm. i want them to go blaze their own trail i don't expect for them to follow a traditional path because i've been there i've done that there's lots of hoop jumping and that's good at some point in our lives but at some level like you said the innovators are the ones who maybe were terrible students Mm -hmm. and maybe they felt like they were bad students and maybe they dropped out of school yeah but they're the ones who then think oh I can go do this because they just have a different way of thinking and yes. a different way of knowing yes. and often as parents we don't see that we don't right. value that because we have that box right. okay here's level one we go to elementary school and middle school then high school and then college but yeah. that's not the path for everybody and while it's hard to let go and know that our kids can be independent i mean at some level i want to push my kids out the door and say okay what do you want to create and you know i've had the business for longer than i've had kids and so they've seen me and my husband build businesses together and you know there's never been talk about well when i'm 16 i'm going to get this job yeah you know they're you know they're making things and they're doing things and see okay well when i'm this age i want to have this business or i want to do this and you know and they're definitely non-traditional sort of things. so yeah, I love, I want to bring this back to the shame-proof parenting again too yeah. and say, whew,
1: we need to chill out. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think when we talk about the parents who are so you know focused on the ABCD, I think that comes with our society, right? So mm-hmm. if your kids don't go to college, people are gonna be like, oh, okay, what did you do? you know why didn't you make them you know i definitely have a lot of homeschool parents or parents who have allowed their kids to to do non-traditional schooling or have that gap year or not go to college at all and people are like oh okay that's nice you know and there's so much shame around mm-hmm. allowing our children to be individuals right i feel like even in 2017 with as vast knowledge as we have about uniqueness and individuality we still ask parents to control their child we still ask parents to not allow their child to be individual and not allow their child to figure out their own path because again we begin to wag fingers at parents whose kids yes. don't go to college at 18 you know at parents who have homeschooled their kids we say ah oh. You know, it's like, well, my kid doesn't fit in this box. So we did homeschool instead. And my kid is doing fine. And I think, like you said, we need to just chill out and look and ask questions and be Mm -hmm. curious. Instead of saying, you're doing it wrong, say, Young, how did that work for you and your family? And listen Mm -hmm. to what you're saying. You know, there are some families who, yes, the traditional route works really well. They get their kids in school, their kids do really well in school, and it works. And there are some families where that kid just doesn't do well in school. It's not Mm because that parent is a bad parent or that kid is stupid. It's because... Some kids just don't work in that eight to you know, three thirty time frame where they have to listen to someone talk to them for eight hours a day they just don 't yes work. You
0: know <laughs> right way well, and, and I guess you know looking at that model of school too that's so hard because for the kids who are experiencing that it's devastating for them because yeah. they're getting labeled as slow. They're mm. getting labeled and they're getting remediated yeah. and it has nothing to do with their intelligence. Yeah. It has to do with how still they can sit in a class and how well they can fill in bubbles,
1: yeah.
0: you know? And so I just, I, I wish that we could shift it somehow to where, you know, we're giving these kids more opportunities. you know when i was going to high school there used to be a lot more opportunities for kids to do vocational studies so kids who didn't you know who didn't do great in the traditional subjects had vocations like woodworking and auto shop and electronics they could go do that and find a place Mm -hmm. but i think with all the budget cuts and restraints and so much control over the curriculum and common core and we've lost sight of giving these kids lots of pathways. We're just giving them one. And I think that, I mean, that breaks my heart more than anything because like you said, there are kids who are not fitting into that and what happens to them?
1: Yeah. My husband and I had a really interesting conversation about you know, us because my husband is definitely that kid who didn't fit, but he found his way and he's fine. But he said, you know, it sucks that at 18, people ask you to figure out the rest of your life. So yes. you have to know where you're going to school, what college you want to do, what career, what major. And it's like, dude, I just figured out that I was an adult. I just figured out that I'm alive. <laughs> now I'm supposed to tell you what I'm going to do for the next 20 years. You know, Now I'm supposed to know exactly what I want to do for the next maybe 30, 40 years of my life. You know, and I see so many people who maybe are in our age bracket who have shifted because they thought they wanted to be a lawyer. They thought they wanted to be in the corporate world, and they realized that's, I never liked this stuff. Yes. It worked, and I was able to put a roof over my head and my family, but I hate this. I hate this work. Yes. So I think we have to really rethink. Again, I don't think, you know, it'll change anytime soon, but this idea that we ask kids between 17 and 19 to pick a career for the rest of their life, and that's really difficult to do.
0: Yeah, it's- and I think that too, because my daughter's 14 now. And I keep thinking, in four years, how is she going to know what she wants to do? I mean, if the average life expectancy is now well into the 80s or the 90s, I mean, that's a long time to do one thing. And that's why I love technology so much, because there's, first of all, a wealth of information we have access to, Mm -hmm. sometimes too much, and it's a little bit stifling. (laughs) But the ability to be able to shift and transition when we need and not be stuck in that nine to five grind yeah. until retirement comes because yeah. that's also a miserable existence for the parents because if they're not feeling good and feeling happy and content, likely their kid is getting some of that emotional baggage passed on yeah. to them, not knowingly, but it, I mean, it's just part of their existence. Kids are very mm. astute, I found, at picking up on emotions and picking mm. up when things are not right. So yeah, yeah we all kind of need to come together and figure out, Again, going back to the first thing we talked about, about those expectations, mm-hmm. about, okay, let's define what success looks like for one child versus another child. And for us as parents, what does it look mm-hmm. like? And like with the volleyball story you had, they were they were saying, it sounded like different things, but when it came down to it, everything that they researched kind of meshed together. And there yep. was a path that they could find mutually. So it wasn't the parents making the kids feel badly about something. The kid wasn't feeling attacked because the parents don't get it. But yeah, grabbing all those expectations, putting them all together, and then really carving out you know, each family's own path. Awesome. As,
1: you, as you were talking, I was thinking about that one, uh, I think it's Albert Einstein quote, where it's, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will spend its whole life thinking it's yes. stupid. And I feel like we do that all the time. We judge certain kids who are like, I swim, I can't climb a tree, but I can swim. And we're like, nope, the test is to climb a tree. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to fail that. I'm, you know, yes. I, I can say that right now, I'm going to fail that. And how that affects not only just the kid but it affects how they interact with the world it affects their ability like you said you talked about confidence earlier it affects their confidence it affects how they see themselves in the world and how they see whether they can succeed or not and that's such a great lens to
0: look at life through and look at our kids through because yeah we might expect something but if we're we're if we're doing this they're never going to get there. It's never going to look successful to us. But if we change our lens and say, okay, let's get on the same page and move forward together so we can be a team. And we're not always butting heads because as kids get older, they get so much more independent, which is a great thing. At the same time, they start asserting their independence. Mm -hmm. by really... I don't want to say lashing out, that's not the right word, but really just getting very strong willed about Mm -hmm. certain things. And if we can, again, come together and yeah, if we can teach our kids to to swim or to, to do whatever it is they want and find a pathway through that angle, I think as parents, we're going to have a much better time and be much more joyful in the process.
1: Agreed, agreed.
0: So before we wrap up today, our conversation has been so, so good. I want to know where can parents find you online if they have more questions or want to, to do some work with you?
1: Yeah. So my general hub is shameproofparenting.com and there you can find my blogs, you can find any uh, resources I have, my book, and all of my, um, my social media links are there as well. So that's pretty much where you want to start if you want to learn more about what I do or connect with me.
0: Perfect. And I'll make sure that I put those in the show notes as well. So they can link directly from that page to mm-hmm. you. So it'll be super easy for them to find you. Yes. All right. Do you have one parting piece of advice you could give to parents, especially at this, the beginning of this new school year?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, be open to getting to know your child. I think each year your child discovers new things about themselves. And it would be so awesome if you could take that time to discover what those new things are with them.
0: Awesome, discovery. Yeah, I feel like every new year, we're discovering new things. The kids are discovering things about themselves. We're discovering about ourselves as parents. So Mm -hmm. let's get on the page together and discover together. Yeah. Okay, parents, you heard it here. Go observe your kids, support them, and enjoy this amazing journey of discovery together. Mercedes, thank you so much for hopping on with us today. It has been such a blast, and I'm sure we'll have more to talk about. We need to dive into technology a bit and, um, and getting parents and kids on the same page about that because mm-hmm. that's becoming more of um, a challenge these days. Yes. So, yeah, thank you for being here today, though, and mm-hmm. we'll, c- we'll catch up very soon.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Raising Smart Kids 2.0 podcast. To really accelerate your ability to unleash your child's superpowers and raise smarter kids through the arts, we're creating loads of new resources, ways to connect, and ways to celebrate your successes. You can join our free Facebook community by visiting theartsmartparent.com. Dot .com or just search up Raising Smart Kids 2.0 on Facebook. I look forward to seeing you inside our community.